HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Back, Arts and Seizures here in Bushwick Live from Roberta's, and it is about 10 million degrees outside, and uh, Jamie Attenberg, I can't believe you, you managed to muddle through this muck to get here. Thank you so much for coming out. I'm very excited to be here. I, I, I took the uh, L train and the G train here, and I, I gotta say, the L, I was very impressed by the L train air conditioning today. I mean, usually I think the six train air conditioning is like the best in the city, yeah. and I, what I usually think is that the quality of air conditioning on the MTA is directly proportional to the affluence of the people who, whose neighborhoods that line of the train serves. You sound like a man who takes the train a lot. Uh, yeah. Enough. Right. enough. But the six train is <laughs> like a movie theater or like a supermarket, and the L train historically hasn't been that good, but it's gotten a lot better, and you've lived in Williamsburg a long time. Have, I, so I have you noticed the air conditioning on the L train getting better take, as Williamsburg becomes more posh? <laughs> I, don't, I don't take the train. The problem is I don't take the train that much. I bike a lot. But I did buy an air conditioner this morning oh, in Queens. Goodness. Yeah, I went out to uh, the Home Depot and I bought one. Um, um, I, yeah, I went out and I bought one. And um, I I want to... I want to make love to my air conditioner. Like, I really love it a, a lot. Like I plugged They're it in. They're awesome. They're really awesome. And I got one that was like an easy one that you just, it's like not in the window. It's like one of those portable ones and you just put the little whatever R- thing R- in there. That works okay? Yeah. Oh, it was. Like, like looks like R2-D2? Yeah, yeah. But it's so, it's really great and it's really easy and, and I didn't have to like hoist it up into the window and I'm really yeah I'm in, I'm in love with it and you spend a lot of time in New Orleans too which is like a swampy well it's like today it feels I said it feels like Louisiana here in New York City it, it's true but I do not go there in the summer the first summer that I ever went there I, I was there for like a month and I crashed on uh, the couch of this band called Galactic have you ever heard mm-hmm. of them Galactic yeah. Oh, yeah. are you kidding are you kidding you're, you're in with like like the premier like jam right, right, band right. of but, all time but they were like tr- it was 20 years ago are you a really too? what you no 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 and I didn't know who even I just knew one of them 
them and that was it and I slept <laughs> on their couch but I was down there for like a month and it was the hottest I've ever and it just smells like of course a galactic it month it's probably crotchy. like a New Yorker's like afternoon well it, yeah it was, it was super <laughs> crotchy down there but I, so I wouldn't go back there but I, I would like to live there more I live there three months a year and I think I would like to live there six months a year I'm super I do talk about the, the date thing the oh the awkward date table are you kidding? They are not talking, and I'm they're, worried about them. And they're very cute. <laughs> no, long-time so listeners of the show. Oh, she's look, looking to, into space. I, I, I'll give you the, I'll take the over-under and when the phones come out. It's about three minutes before they're But maybe they're, like, long-term. Maybe it's not a new... Yeah. But they're so cute, and I think that they should... Oh, they're, But they're making eye contact. Well, maybe they'll come around. They're okay. not communicating. So, hey, listen, for everybody out in Radio Land who's coming in naked and doesn't know who uh, Jamie is, I, w- I want to do my old-timey voice, okay, just because your reviews are so amazing. I want to do my Walter Winchell voice, oh. which I've not rehearsed. <laughs> but your new book is St. Maisie. Uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're an ama- ama- amazing writer and author, and your, and your book is getting amazing accolades from every corner. Cue the, cue the teletype machine, uh, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kansas City Star. <laughs> an attentive character study that also happens to be rich in law and period detail. St. Maisie is an edifying, companionable, and moving novel. The Boston Globe says St. Maisie is a boisterous, deep, provocative book. St. Maisie is in the Wall Street Journal. It looks deep into the spirit of generosity as a fresh, witty, and historical novel. And on and on. Wait, let's see. Uh, the New York Times says St. Maisie is full of love and drink and dirty sex, nobility, and beef stew. NPR says Maisie's story unfolds with simplicity and grace. Did I say that already? It's good. Okay, kill the teleprompter. That was amazing. But it's, it's, <laughs> but it, it's like in a, in a land where people aren't even getting their books reviewed, you managed to get every possible. You're in travel and leisure this month. I, is that true? Uh, some interviews travel. Is that the right I did not leisure? even know that. Um, probably, maybe. Not, uh, not, not to mention like uh, Grub Street. Yeah, oh, well, that Oh, was... I missed the LA Times. The, the a Grub Street novel, lovely tribute to a New Yorker. The Grub Street thing, though, was my favorite thing ever. That's I had been dreaming about writing that food diary for Grub Street for a really long time, <laughs> and I was and I met people who were like could help me to do it, but they were like they casually mentioned it, like oh maybe you'd want to do this, and I was like <gasps> that's all I want to do because I read it every week, and it's like one of my favorite things on the internet ever, ever, ever. And, and there you were stumbling around to uh, the book expo, eating. Um... Yes. Eating whatever fair crap, food. yeah, <laughs> fair food at the EA. Um, yeah. Well, it was at the, it was the it was at the Hudson, but it still wasn't that good. But um, yeah, that was I, I've been writing a lot about consuming things. I have a piece that's going online tomorrow for Sever. That's all about what I ate on book tour. See what I'm see what that's I'm That's my three I read I wrote about drinking for the Wall Street whiskey for the Wall Street Journal and I wrote about everything I ate for Grub Street and then I wrote everything I ate for Savara and I was like, that is it. I'm done. No one needs to know what I eat anymore. Well or, we're getting we're getting the pizza order is in. Yeah. This isn't NPR. I'm gonna eat the shit out of that pizza. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. NPR, no pizza radio. Okay. <laughs> Have they ever given you pizza on NPR? I don't. I don't no. So. <laughs> NPR has never given me anything. So, you're, so you're enjoying all this publicity, St. Maisie, your new book. I mean, again, it's 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 really everywhere. And in a, in a world where um, writers and books just don't get you know the attention of uh, you know Kardashians and. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, it's so small. It's such a small scale. It's like the tiniest, you know, it's a tiny piece of a tiny pie, and there's not even any pie, really, for the book people. Like, we're really small. But I, it's it's wonderful. I mean, the, I, I say this not insincerely. The greatest thing about it is that when I wrote the book, it was because it's based on this real person, and I wanted people to know about her. And so the fun part is seeing all these reviews where they write about who the real person was first, like always the first paragraph or two, 
covers well, this amazing wanna, woman. Okay. Yeah. Uh, give, give us, give us. Uh, well, she was she, the executive summary. The executive summary is that she, uh, Maisie Phillips, was a woman who ran a movie theater on the Bowery in the 1920s through the 1940s. A little bit longer than that, but uh, just that's the period covered through prohibition the and through the end of depression. Yes, exactly. Great, t- rich time period to cover. And she was, uh, she was known as the queen of the Bowery. She was the hub of the neighborhood. She was kind of this boozy broad. And when she and she was also known for helping all the homeless men in the neighborhood. And she was, in my eyes, like a really fantastic, per, like a com, a complicated, deep, funny body saint like figure. And I wanted to write about her because I didn't want people to forget about her. And now when she gets the book get, gets reviewed, they talk about her. And so and it's more than a book; it's a bar. Well, yeah, and it's a book a, and a bar. It's a wonderful. Have you been to Saint Mead? I, I, I haven't. But believe me, it's on my short list because yeah. a bar that. A book that extends from a bar in both directions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I would like. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I get to make things around things I find interesting. So are, yeah. are, are you St. Maisie? Do you relate to her? I mean, do you, are you like, uh, like, you know, living in her skin while you're writing from this point of view? I mean, when I'm in it, I'm trying to understand how to be her because she's an amazing person. And I really wanted to learn how to be that kind of person. But I'm not really, I'm like an okay person. Like, we're all kind of okay people. There's very few people that are like, great stuff. Do you, do you believe that people are basically good? Because I'm getting that from I'm about halfway through the book, and, yeah, and there's definitely are. a vibe that that people's that I'm feeling from your point of view and from the Maisie point of view. And it should be mentioned that the book is uh, Maisie's diary um, with other interviews and other people, you know, speaking in the Greek chorus of yeah. all her friends and contemporaries. Yeah. Uh, but when you're writing, I mean, you're writing from Maisie's point of view, and I'm feeling genuine goodness. I think I. I think so. I believe that. I mean, and I say that as a person who lives in New York City, and I, I feel like people are. All, you know, New York gets a bad rap as like being full of no. not good people, but actually there's really amazing actually, people Actually, it's the most polite, piece, polite place in the world because if we weren't polite, we'd kill each other. Right, right. It's and a also, big please and thank you town. It has to be. It, it totally is. And also like we're really, everyone always gives directions. Like I love, I feel I do this and like other people do this too where, I mean, I con- constantly get asked for directions like five times a week. I'm not even exaggerating. Of course. Because I live in Williamsburg and there's like every European tourist looks at me and goes, she's safe. We'll ask her. And they, and I, or subways where whenever you ask someone where the subway is, they always say, where do you want to go? Right. Instead of just like pointing to a subway, they're like, well, maybe there's three subways that like, let me help you get to the right. New Yorkers are very thoughtful that they're way. They're so thoughtful and nice and like think about like ease and convenience and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I do think that people, most people I meet and also I, and I travel around America a lot and most people I meet are really good. So, oh, they're talking. Oh, that's I think good. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the people. Sorry, I changed the awkward day table. No, <laughs> they're chatting. Okay. No, no. <laughs> she's in the, I think I think he's in the doghouse, but she wants him out. Yeah. Okay. She wants to like she him. put him there, but she wants to take him out, and is just wondering what the exit strategy is. He's very handsome, and she's very cute. I, I predict makeup sex okay. as soon as this brunch is over. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I do think people are good. I have hope for humanity, and um, even though sometimes it feels a little dark, the more I s- time I spend on Twitter, the less I. Feel that way sometimes. I, I love your, I love your Twitter uh, account. I'm following you, and I have have to okay. I have to say I love the the, the tweet that just said I am so happy I am a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Are you? I love being a Jew. I'm not the self-loathing Jew. I mean, I suppose I have my moments. Yeah. But usually it has nothing to do with my Jewishness. Well, it's weird because Jewishness, being a Jew is an inherently self-loathing act, but, <laughs> but it or or existence. But also, like, then you have to learn to love that. Inherent self What do you love about being a Jew, Jamie? 
I mean, I I do. Sometimes I don't like having the Jew hair, but I do like I do like the other night. I was thinking about how much I really loved it because it was like perfectly just. It was like ten inches huge, wide or whatever, and it was really. I was gotten measured it, and it was perfectly wide. Um, <laughs> can you give our, can you give our listeners maybe a few tips to avoid Jufro? No, I don't have any. I wish somebody would give me some. If you guys have any, send me some. But. I knew these guys, one of these guys in my band who had uh, frizzy, Jewy hair, and we were like out and tour in France where that kind of thing isn't really... Uh... Did you used to have... I, no, I, I have no hair now, but even when I did have, even when I still had my looks, I, uh, I had pretty straight hair. I was, I was like a Brett girl when I was like 13. <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked good. And then it was like, it was like everything and then like, and then like nothing. Um, but he, he used to um, like wear hats right out of the shower. That was like his thing. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was like his thing. So wow. by the time he got on stage, he didn't look, look too Jewy. He want, you say he wore it so that he could just flatten it out. Flatten it out, wow. yeah. No, I don't know. It was like an out of the shower kind of kind of Jufro pro. Not in this weather. Not a Jufro. I was gonna say program, but I guess I mean program. Yeah. I okay. So I also had like, um, you know, because I for my last book was which was like a really Jewish book. Um, the although I will say that I when I was writing it, I did not even think of it as a Jewish book. I was like, oh, it's just family and they're Jewish and whatever. But that's the same when I was writing Maisie. I was like, oh, it's. Happens to take place in New York, and then I got to the end. Everyone's like, "This is a love letter." To New-. Like every review says, it's a love letter to New York, and I was like, "Oh, I guess it, it is." It is a yeah. New York book, and yeah. it's also obviously uh, about a, you know a strong, a strong female character. Do you think um, you need a, a, a woman? You need a, a woman has to write a book like this. Do you think a man could have written a book like this? Oh, um, I sure. I think so. Um, oh, that's a really interesting question. I hope so. Like, I hope I could write a book about a man. I mean, there's plenty of male voices in the book. Mm-hmm. I hope I could write a book about a man and have it be a really strong male character. I mean, I feel like we should be able to write about anything. Like, we're like old people, young people, people of color. Like, I think everything should be available to. You know, or if you're a person of color, you should be able to write about white people. Like, do, I think it's all. Do you think straight guys can play gay guys in movies and TV, or is that, or, or should we be moving past that? No, yeah, I think can, 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 can um, straight hetero guys play uh, trans? I can... think everyone. Uh, yeah, but you know, let's let's let let's let everyone have their ch- fair chance at whatever is out there. But I I think that um, it's a point of view question. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think the best person should get for the part should get the part. I would say that, and, they, and that understanding and that of that experience. But I so no affirmative action. No affirmative <laughs> action. Um, no, but I. Um, I think that everything should be accessible to everyone, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, people should have it, the chance to write whatever they want. and But also, I think that you should ask for help. Like, if you don't... Like, for me to write a book um, about a person of another race than myself, I would never just write it and then and then just, like, put it out there. Like, I would definitely ask for people to read it and, and consult on it, and I would do a t- shit ton of research. Like, for me, I wrote about a woman in the 1920s. Well, I've never lived in the 1920s, so I did a shit that ton you know of... you know of. Yeah, so I did a shit ton of research, and I also, like, would have male readers for my book, things like that. So I think that you just have to know how to ask for help. So here's an, here's an easier question, and then we're going to take a little break, and I think we've got some music actually from uh, maybe a song that even Maisie uh, might, might have liked herself. Uh, kind of dug oh. but before we go to the break do you consider yourself a Brooklyn writer and is that is that a voice because I hear that I just moved to Brooklyn yeah and I asked uh, one of our friends um, Jason, Jason Diamond I moved from the city now I call it the city because I'm part of the problem yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but I lived in Manhattan my whole life and I always said sure I'm a New York writer but basically I'm just uh, an unqualified writer 
my kitchen table where I write happens to be in Manhattan. Now it happens to be in Brooklyn. Yeah. How I suddenly become a Brooklyn writer if I joined this club, uh, you know, which definitely, you know, some people are pretty precious about it. They wear it on their sleeves. Oh, hi. I think I'm an American writer. I'm from the Midwest. Yeah. Midwest is best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, we got, got some uh, a song from, I think, from the drink Prohibition era, 1920, the same year uh, that everybody stopped drinking and women got the right to vote. No cause and effect there. You can draw your own conclusions. You're listening to Arts and Seizures, streaming live from Bushwick at Roberto's on the Heritage Radio Network. It's Mike Edison with Jamie Attenberg. Uh, see you in two seconds. Super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Oh, holy cow. I'm caught, caught with, with, with the pizza rosso in my mouth. We're back on Arts and Seizures. It's Mike Edison with the fabulous Jamie Attenberg celebrating her new book, St. Amazing, and your new air conditioner. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> it's over. I'm going home, and I'm, just, I'm not leaving the apartment for two days because I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> is, that what, is that what it takes? <laughs> <laughs> you pretty much. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you have, with your new book, like I said before, the reach is unbelievable. Now you're going, you're going to Europe, you're touring. I mean, this is like a really substantial book tour. I mean, it's true. Well, it's, it's, like, it's like a rock and roll tour. Uh, um, yeah, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to do, I think it's like six weeks total, six weeks total this fall. Um, six weeks. Yeah, I'm going to do, but it's not, I mean, you know, I'll do university. I'm going to do some, like some Midwestern university time. I'm going to do a week in England. I'm going to do, um, so, but in a little, in the middle of it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just going kind of all over the place. But in the middle of it, I get five days in Mexico City, where I've never been before. Oh, Mexico City, DFA. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really. Hablas español? No, but I have friends that are gonna be there, and I'm, I'm really excited. And I'll tell you a weird little Twitter thing. Hopefully, it will work out. Um, so I tweeted I was going to Mexico City, and I was like, oh, I want to do a reading in Mexico City, which is tricky because my book did not come out in Spanish. But um, I. I still think that I felt like I could do like that. There's enough of an expat community that maybe I could do something there. So anyway, the ambassador, the American ambassador to Jamaica, follows me on Twitter, <laughs> and he tweeted at me that he could help me get a reading in Mexico City. Yaman. Yeah, and so he um, contact he hooked me up with I think the cultural attaché to 
Mexico City, and I think I'm going to end up doing I need reading, a, I reading need, on the American Embassy in Mexico City, something like that. I don't know. It's, I so need a cultural attaché. <laughs> I'm going shopping for a cultural no. attaché. <laughs> but I think I just want to like um, do readings at Amer- American embassies all over the world. Like, I think embassy doors are fantastic. I, I, yeah, I, I, they have no money. I, I but do, uh, make it get to the roof now. The helicopter is coming. I don't just think wait they, till when someone says <laughs> the tour is over. I don't think they have any money to actually get you there, but I think when they get you there, they can feed you and oh, yeah. you'll have a really good time. Oh yeah, you're gonna get the best taco you ever had in your life. Yeah, the- <laughs> and the buildings will be really cool. And well, yeah. Mexico City is, is is fabulous, and there's a real culture there of art. There's a, there's a real culture yeah. of, of cinema and you know and, and painting and literature. Yeah. it's very lively. Um, very very vibrant young city. Mexico City kind of kicks ass. So that's like my most exciting. It might be your new place. I'm moment. seeing. I'm seeing. I'm seeing. I know. This now. I feel a little. I, f- I feel that I'm going to fall in love with it. It is a really. It's a really big city, which might be too big for me. Like because I love New Orleans because it's a very manageable. New Orleans, size. Well, New Orleans is tiny. Yeah. So how do you, so how do you find yourself in uh, New Orleans, Nola? Well, um, besides you know obviously s- s- sleeping on that couch twenty years ago. Um, I had I tried to live everywhere in America. I mean, I always had New York as the home base for the last. I moved here in 1998, so I've tried L.A. and Seattle and Portland, Oregon, and um, I'm from Chicago, but I spent a little time, more time as an adult in Chicago and um, all different kinds of places. And the only places I hadn't really spent time were Austin and New Orleans in a significant way as an adult, like meaning in my late 30s as an adult. And um, so I was kind of, it was a little bit of a coin toss. And then I just posted, again, posted something on, you know, the internet and said, um, does anyone know of a place in either one of these places, towns, and New Orleans popped up? Well, I think you made the right choice. I mean, uh, I'm sure I'll be like, you know, my my, my Twitter account's going to light up with death threats from everybody in Texas. But I think, I think New Orleans got a lot more soul than Austin. I mean, at this late date, I mean, to me, Austin just is not a happening place. I think you're a lot of, I mean, I know some great people in Austin. I've had amazing times in Austin. But I think I, I couldn't live there. Uh, I just don't think I'd meet the kind of people I'd want to hang out and talk to. And New Orleans has this vibe, especially for a writer. And we can talk about what it means to be a writer in the writer's life. It's, it's, it's sort of, um, you know, people are very calm. Uh, and, and, and for all the right reasons. It's quiet. I think it's a really quiet city in a, in a way. I mean, you can you can find the noise if you want it, but also, like, it's a Oh, really, yeah, they make noise in New Orleans, and it, never has there been a town more in love with its own drinking problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also, I mean, I, I can hear... You know, a marching band from a mile away. Let's right. just put it that way. Like I could never hear that here. New Orleans fantasy. So you spend a couple months a year, and you sort of. I spend three months. Find three a, find a place each year in a different neighborhood. Yeah, I would like that to change. I would like to be able to to if I had some money, I would love to be able to buy a place. Well, St. Maisie's soon to be at a major motion picture studio. Yeah, near you. about that. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like that. That's the dream that I have is to like. As, you know, be Netflix able hasn't been buying, picking up on the middle scenes now. That, I mean, you're such a hot property. I mean, that seems to me like one of these sprawling Netflix shows. You know what? I really appreciate your enthusiasm, and I wish that you ran the world. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, that's, that's you know that's a sentiment we, we definitely need to hear uh, more often. I love the, the middle scenes, and um, for a lot of one, one I relate because I'm Jewy and I come from this dysfunctional background, and I grew up in the '70s. But um, one of the, one of the subtexts of, of the middle scenes I like is secret behavior. Yeah, you know, yes. and um, and you talk about. I mean, eating is it's a secret behavior. Um, drinking could be a secret behavior, and they both can, they're both secret only up to a point. I have so many secret behaviors. I'm oh, not, it's okay. Tell I us. Can't, no, I can't Dish. tell you any because then Dish. there wouldn't be secrets anymore. No, it's just about me and my air conditioner, and that's it. That's all you need to know. Um, but wait, I do wait, have. you find out what that button on the right does. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, ooh. Um, well, I, you know, I think that especially if you live by yourself. 
But even if you don't live by yourself, like it's almost like a, it's a, it, it is a little sexualized if you live with somebody and then you get to have that secret behavior. The air even if, you're no, even the if it's just like food or, or mm-hmm. a sleeping pill or whatever it is. Like, I, I think I sexualize all of it, sleeping pills and food, which are, are, are things I both embrace. Yeah. <laughs> and why? Because, and because it's your, it's your own, right? Like it's I, your own, it's like an intimate gesture. It is an intimate gesture. It's a gift to myself. Um, it's pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I love taking Ambien because it knocks me the, the, the fuck out. And, and there, there's a real gift to that. Mm-hmm. To be, you know, that's something that's given me the gift of turning the switch off. My friend just brought and, me um, Ambien from China. Oh, Chinese Ambien? Mm-hmm. You have to tell me. Will you crush it up and snort it? I don't know. I haven't done it. I just had like half of one. I was like, what do I do? And he was like, just only take half. Only take half. And so I, I've only taken half, but it really does. It's really delightful, and it works, and it's perfect. But, yeah, but, but um, I was like, you're a real friend. Real friends bring you Ambien from foreign countries. Okay. You also tweeted. Okay, this, here's this for a segue. The real friends don't have babies. <laughs> well, okay. One of my, I love her. I'm like my, like it's one over. Of my, you're never going to see her again. One of, I know. One of my best friends. <laughs> no, I love her so much. But she, and she doesn't know yet. That's the thing. She doesn't know at all. But um, I know because I've lived through many friends having babies. That, you know, it's you lose them for months and months at a time. Like the first you have a baby and then you're just gone for I six think 18 months. years is the current figure. Well, I think there's at least six months period, a six month to a year period where people have babies. And I, what's fine. You had a baby. So go and do what you need to do. But no one going in knows that that's what happens. But I've I've cycled through it so many times where I, where people can't they always cancel they're always canceling plans because they can't figure out how to breastfeed or whatever it is. Don't you cancel plans because I have to write? Isn't isn't like writing no, like, well, like the great now writing. I do yeah now I'm like oh I'll, I'm I Larry the, I Larry David the shit out of that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? It's like I have a deadline. Okay, Mike, we understand. I can't come to see your stupid band. It's okay. I have to write. I have a deadline. It's true, but that's like more on a <laughs> weekly basis. Whereas like this is like I haven't seen you in three months. And it's like we're, we're really moving up. We're working up to the, the baby <laughs> thing. But I, I mean, I, I also like appreciate it because somebody needs to populate the world and it's not going to be me. And, um, Did I- and they're all great people and they're great parents. So and I have a niece that I love. And so I'm, I have a child in my life that's really wonderful. So Did I read correctly? You, you, um, you're off Facebook for a little while, taking a little break. Mm. Understandable. You've got you to unplug. I mean, I mean, you just have to. You go fucking nuts. But did I read correctly right before you, before you pulled the plug that um, you, were, you were having a little quandary? You were wondering about, um, well, tell me if I'm wrong. Oh, you weren't planning on getting married and you don't have any kids. And, and yeah. you were wondering whether to spend your <laughs> to squander your advance or, to, or like to really squirrel it away for, for a rainy day. I got a really tiny foreign royalty check and I was like, can I just like buy it, go on vacation? Uh, I'm gonna, I got the answer for you. Spend it. I bought an uh, air conditioner. Okay. So everyone, th- so there was like a huge conversation about whether or not I should spend it or save it. It's no conversation. Spend it. Yeah. And so I did spend it, but I just didn't go spend it on vacation. I spent it on. Uh, you I, spend I, that and a whole lot more. I got my bike fixed. I got an, a new air conditioner. I, I will tell you this. Only because you asked, I will tell you this, that there, that I... When I when things happen and money comes in because of Maisie the book, then then there are charitable donations that get made in her name. So if anybody would like to donate something in her honor, there's wonderful organizations in here. I don't know how far a reach this has, but we reach wonderful and with, your, and with your massive Twitter feed. We'll reach even more people. There's just wonderful organizations in your community that like help the homeless, or there you can just donate directly to like you know hunger organizations where they all will distribute meals, things like that. So it's. Um, 
I would not have a book, and I would not have any. Nobody would even care we were, well, about you know me what? I believe right now. It. So, so if I if I were to. Uh, if I wanted to write a check right now, where would I send it? What would I do? Well, I don't. It's 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 so I don't I don't want to do that because it's so intimate to like okay. to, to different like communities because I, this isn't the Jerry Lewis telephone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just think it's not that hard. I'm to no find. Edison. You're no Jerry Lewis. Yeah, it's not saying. that hard. It's it's not that hard to find. But there but there's definitely like great hunger organizations in every community. I think that's righteous. Yeah. I, I think you know. I, th- I think we need to have like a positive spin. On, you know. Uh, you know. On everything we do, and I love that. You know, we we're talking about this before. And we're running out of time. It is always. It is the fastest half hour on the internet. But um, I did want to touch on. You consider yourself an open source writer. Oh yeah, yeah. So I do post a lot about the process of writing, and I've done it for years because I, f- I think it's been really beneficial for me to read about other people's experiences in it. Constantly finding things. Even just I found somebody tweeted about this Ann Patchett article from The Atlantic from 2008 about how she was just on book tour for ever and ever and ever. And I was like, I think I need to read this right now in this moment in my life. Um, so, but I, I found that people, especially like younger people who are writing or trying or trying to start a career, have appreciated me talking about my experiences where maybe it started as just like a venting place and has become something a little bit more structured and helpful to me as, and I'm a teacher also to organize my thoughts. So I, I think it's a good idea. I, I, I love the idea of open source and I love, I've always loved the, I've been a blogger since 1998. So I've always loved the idea of the internet being, you know, information wanting to be free and the internet just making all these feelings and ideas accessible to people. So I'm hoping people get something out of me I think it's talking very, as much as I do about my writing. I think th- I think yeah. they are, and they do, and I think and I think you have to. And those of us who are fortunate enough, I mean, I mean, really, truly fortunate to ever have the opportunity to publish to publish a, a book. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not a meritocracy. I mean, let's face it. I mean, there are a lot of great writers out there who aren't just gonna you know get the nod for whatever reason. The internet hopefully makes things more democratic, but nothing you know can help out a writer as much as. Uh, you know, Harper Collins or Simon and Schuster. Right. You know, I mean, to really get noticed the first time out and. That you're helping people, and um, I, I try to do the same. I, I mean, so many people have been generous with me over the years, giving their time and their expertise. I mean, since I was a teenager in the magazine business, just sort of sorting me out on any possible level. And then there were the people who were real dicks, you know, too. Yeah. And, and I never want to be that person. If anybody ever asks me, "Oh, Mike, you know, what's 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 your advice?" and if sometimes I just need to be read the facts, you know, yeah. the facts of life about what it really takes to be a writer. I think you got to be there. I think it's part of the trip. And if you and, and frankly, I'm going to be harsh. I think if you don't, and if you don't consider this a privilege and what, what we get to do, mm-hmm. then I think you need to get the fuck out of the business. Right. Yeah. I mean, the only thing, the only flip side to that, Lay and I me. agree with you, is that we're like inherently antisocial people. So, do you think you have to be selfish <laughs> to be a writer? No, I don't. I don't feel selfish about it, but I just feel like we're like new huge nerds. Like we just want to. Well, we spend a lot of time like alone. There's like a lot of us that like really. That's why you have to have the secret pleasures, right? Like whatever that whatever right. that might be for you. But I, we're not everyone has like a uh, is able to go out and talk to people or or get something out of it. I have many writer friends who would not want to go. Like I'm psyched that I get to go tour for six weeks this fall because I'm like, oh, I'm going to get to see things and I get to see other writers like I'm going to do eight literary festivals this fall so there's no way I'm not going to see like awesome people that I like or meet new people that I like do you get a lot of groupies 
No, nobody gives a shit about me. I'm a middle-aged it's, Jewish lady. Nobody cares. About. You tell me you no. don't get a lot of like literary groupies. <laughs> nobody cares. Come on. Trust like, me. Nobody come on, like, cares. Men, like, like, menchi, like nerdy, but menchy Jewish dudes. No, I have like uh, what? Like no, come maybe on. one every once in a while I have one, but like I it's... Fi- it's I, fi- I find it hard to believe. <laughs> it's very, very okay, rare. Okay, last question because yeah. it has been the fastest half hour you know, on the internet today. There's still... And, there's, she's talking, by the way. No, Let's no, he's out, he's out of the doghouse. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they're going home for apology sex. There's yeah. Okay, last question of the day. It's the class Art and seizure question we ask everybody oh. uh, Have you ever smoked angel dust? I have done so many drugs, but that I have not done. Well, you're still young. Okay, so for St. For, for, uh, Maisie and St. Elizabeth in the booth and everybody in the Heritage Radio Network, Jamie, thank you so much for coming down. Uh, where are you going to be next in New York, or where can people come and find you? Oh, tomorrow. I'm reading at the Brooklyn Bridge Park. I'm doing, like, it's like the oh most God. amazing reading series. It's on the wa- on the water in Brooklyn Bridge Park. I'm, I'm going to ride my bike it's down my, I It's 7 o'clock at night. I am so, I hope it doesn't rain, but that's, like, my dream. Okay, I'm going I'm 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 to come down and check you out and, uh, and check out all your groupies. Uh-huh. Two, right. early how's the, two. How's, how's the pizza? So good. All right, there's one more coming. That's yeah. That's thanks, Roberta. We got one more. So uh, <laughs> yes, thanks to everybody. Roberta's our sponsor, and one more time for the Heritage Radio Network. Everybody in Radio Land Arts and Seizures. We're kind of uh, taking it slow this summer. We'll see what happens. Uh, big new season coming in September. I am promising more wrestlers and writers, and, and I actually think I've, I've like some genuine criminals uh, coming coming this year. Not 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 these uh, low level delinquents that have kind of been our bread and, bread and butter so far. What? I'm high level delinquent. <laughs> Have you ever been arrested? Um, I got. Um, I did not get arrested, but I got ticketed for vandalism once. Ah, vandalism. Well, wait, wait, tag, was, tag in the school? I was stickering for my one of my books down in the Lower East Side, and I had to go to court for it. So. Yeah, I feel all right. I feel punk rock. I'm all right. All right, that's righteous. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Jamie Attenberg, please go out and buy St. Maisie. It's awesome. And uh, write to Netflix. Tell them that you want to see the middle, the middle Steens because um, Orange is the New Jew or some goddamn thing. <laughs> we'll see you next week on Arts and Seizures. Yeah! Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.